Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, Stories to Fall Asleep to, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. Today's theme is the Chinese zodiac snake. Snakes are decent, sophisticated, and eloquent. Most of the time, the snake personality is nonchalant, but they are actually enthusiastic. They are romantic and oftentimes humorous. People will feel comfortable and relaxed when talking with them. So obviously these descriptions are what I find on the internet. I don't make them up myself. And it's a little bit interesting that they say decent. Uh, The description itself actually says decent and sophisticated and also eloquent. And so I just wondered really what they meant by that. So I looked it up in the dictionary and decent means conforming with generally accepted standards of respectable or moral behavior, um, just satisfactory uh, of an acceptable standard, reasonable, fair, that's kind of the similar thing. So usually when we hear decent, or at least when I hear decent, I really wouldn't call someone that. I would assume that most people are decent, and if they weren't, then you would describe what they were instead. But in this case, I think it does mean more they hold themselves to the moral standards of their society, which fits in with sophistication and eloquence. So that does make more sense in that way. I just hear, I thought it was funny because snakes, we often hear, you know, the analogies of being, you know, slithery, you know, conniving. Um, Harry Potter fans might think of like Slytherins, you know. So hearing that they're described as decent, it's like, oh no, but they're not bad. Um, But that's really not what they mean here. So I just thought that was interesting. Words, you know, they have meaning. (laughs) Our validation space is again from Dwarak Peck. By addressing risk factors such as trauma, it is possible to prevent certain mental health disorders, especially in children and adolescents. I think this is a really key detail here, that we can prevent certain mental health disorders if we acknowledge the trauma that happens to those at a young age when it has happened. You obviously can go to a therapist and correct or heal from any issues, you know, years down the line, of course. But to really help when the wound is fresh, so to speak, will really help raise a child and an adolescent in a healthy mental state. Once again, if we could erase the stigma of mental health care and acknowledge that bullying and other things that seem minor could really have a significant impact on a person's life, I think we could really almost nip it in the bud for the youth of our future. I know that's a little bit odd in how I described it, but I think that is a very valid way that we can help with the mental health crisis that the world is experiencing. Because it really is a crisis, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. It's rampant, at least here where I live in America. And I imagine it's a global thing as well. But first, as always, let's start with a brief mindfulness meditation. Close your eyes and take a posture that is relaxed, taking care to keep your back and neck in alignment. As you get situated, really notice your body, feeling the weight of your body on the chair, the bed, the floor, or wherever you may be in this moment. Notice the position of your feet and any sensations you can feel with them. Locate your legs 
and the blunt pressure on whatever seat you are on. Feel any sensations in your arms and make sure your shoulders are soft. Where are your hands resting? What are they feeling? Acknowledge any tension that you feel in your muscles and allow your body to express itself, being present in the moment. Just be aware of the tension or whatever may be happening in your body. Simply note the communication with a simple thought of, I hear you, that's how it is right now. Bring your focus to your breath, but don't alter it in any way. Just feel your body's natural rhythm as you inhale and exhale. Feel the oxygen enter your lungs, that slight hitch between inhale and exhale, and the sensation of the air exiting your lungs with another micro-moment between breaths. Let's extend our awareness to our mind. What thoughts or feelings or perceptions are present right now? Again, we are just noting these thoughts and feelings in this moment. Don't try to push or shut down any sense of discomfort or unpleasant feelings, but don't dwell on them either. Simply validate them with a simple acknowledgement, such as, that's okay, that's how it is right now. Keeping the connection you have with your body, reach your hands above your head, stretching your arms. Tense up the muscles as you breathe in and hold them in place for just a moment. And now, as you release the breath, relax your muscles and place your arms back to where they were resting comfortably before. Let's repeat this once more. Raising your hands above your head, tense your muscles in your arms and shoulders as you breathe in and hold the position as you hold your breath for just a short count of four. Then release your breath as you release your muscles and rest your arms back to where they were. Now focus back to your breathing and notice how you can relax by taking slow deep breaths in and releasing your breath slowly out. Breathe in, hold your breath, and breathe out slowly. Breathe in and out. Keep breathing deeply, gently, and slowly. Now, notice your whole body as being present. Be aware of every part at once, as best you can, as you continue to softly and deeply breathe in and out. If you are preparing yourself for bed, continue to breathe in and out, and just listen to my voice, but do not follow. If you need to ready yourself to get back to your day, then let us now widen our spatial awareness by using our other senses. What sounds do you hear in the room other than my voice? Are there any smells you can recognize? Feel the item on which you are resting with all of your body and imagine it in your mind. Try to picture it as accurately as you can without opening your eyes just yet. And now, take a deep breath in on an inhale of four. Hold your breath for a count of four. And on an audible sigh, release your breath 
as you open your eyes and fully come back. And now, here's the story. The White Snake by the Grimm Brothers A long time ago, there lived a king who was famed for his wisdom through all the land. Nothing was hidden from him, and it seemed as if news of the most secret things was brought to him through the air. But he had a strange custom. Every day after dinner, when the table was cleared and no one else was present, a trusty servant had to bring him one more dish. It was covered, however, and even the servant did not know what was in it. Neither did anyone know, for the king never took off the cover to eat it until he was quite alone. This had gone on for a long time, when one day the servant, who took away the dish, was overcome with such curiosity that he could not help carrying the dish into his room. When he had carefully locked the door, he lifted up the cover and saw a white snake lying on the dish. But when he saw it, he could not deny himself the pleasure of tasting it, so he cut off a little bit and put it into his mouth. No sooner had it touched his tongue than he heard a strange whispering of little voices outside his window. He went and listened, and then noticed that it was the sparrows who were chattering together and telling one another of all kinds of things which they had seen in the fields and woods. Eating the snake had given him power of understanding the language of animals. Now it so happened that on this very day, the queen lost her most beautiful ring, and suspicion of having stolen it fell upon this trusty servant, who was allowed to go everywhere. The king ordered the man to be brought before him, and threatened with angry words that unless he could, before the morrow, point out the thief, he himself should be looked upon as guilty and executed. In vain he declared his innocence. He was dismissed with no better answer. In his trouble and fear, he went down into the courtyard and took thought how to help himself out of his trouble. Now some ducks were sitting together quietly by a brook and taking their rest. And whilst they were making their feathers smooth with their bills, they were having a confidential conversation together. The servants stood by and listened. They were telling one another of all the places where they had been waddling about all the morning and what good food they had found. And one said in a pitiful tone, Something lies heavy on my stomach. As I was eating in haste, I swallowed a ring, which lay under the queen's window. The servant at once seized her by the neck and carried her to the kitchen and said to the cook, Here is a fine duck. Pray, kill her. Yes, said the cook, and weighed her in his hand. She has spared no trouble to fatten herself and has been waiting to be roasted long enough. So he cut off her head, and as she was being dressed for the spit, the queen's ring was found inside her. The servant could now easily prove his innocence, and the king, to make amends for the wrong, allowed him to ask a favor, and promised him the best place in the court that he could wish for. The servant refused everything, and only asked for a horse and some money for traveling, as he had a mind to see the world and go out a little. When his request was granted, he set out on his way, and one day came to a pond, where he saw three fishes caught in the reeds and gasping for water. Now, though it is said that fishes are dumb, he heard them lamenting that they must perish so miserably, and, as he had a kind heart, he got off his horse and put the three prisoners back into the water. They leapt with delight, put out their heads and cried to him, We will remember you and repay you for saving us. He rode on, and after a while it seemed to him that he had heard a voice in the sand at his feet. He listened and heard an ant king complain. Why cannot folks, with their clumsy beasts, keep off our bodies? That stupid horse, with his heavy hooves, has been treading down my people without mercy. So he turned on to a side path, and the ant king cried out to him, We will remember you. One good turn deserves another. The path led him into a wood, and there he saw two old ravens standing by their nest and throwing out their young ones. 
Out with you, you idle good-for-nothing creatures, cried they. We cannot find food for you any longer. You are big enough and can provide for yourselves. But the poor young ravens lay upon the ground, flapping their wings and crying. Oh, what helpless chicks we are. We must shift for ourselves, and yet we cannot fly. What can we do but lie here and starve? So the good young fellow alighted and killed his horse with his sword and gave it to them for food. Then they came hopping up to it, satisfied their hunger, and cried, We will remember you. One good turn deserves another. And now he had to use his own legs. And when he had walked a long way, he came to a large city. There was a great noise and crowd in the streets, and a man rode up on horseback, crying aloud, The king's daughter wants a husband, but whoever seeks her hand must perform a hard task, and if he does not succeed, he will forfeit his life. Many had already made the attempt, but in vain. Nevertheless, when the youth saw the king's daughter, he was so overcome by her great beauty that he forgot all danger, went before the king, and declared himself a suitor. So he was led out to the sea, and a gold ring was thrown into it before his eyes. Then the king ordered him to fetch this ring upon the bottom of the sea, and added, If you come up again without it, you will be thrown in again and again, until you perish amid the waves. All the people grieved for the handsome youth. Then they went away, leaving him alone by the sea. He stood on the shore and considered what he should do, when suddenly he saw three fishes come swimming towards him, and they were the very fishes whose lives he had saved. The one in the middle held a mussel in its mouth, which it laid on the shore at the youth's feet, and when he had taken it up and opened it, there lay the gold ring in the shell. Full of joy, he took it to the king and expected that he would grant him the promised reward. But when the proud princess perceived that he was not her equal in birth, she scorned him and required him first to perform another task. She went down into the garden and strewn with her own hands ten sacks full of millet seed on the grass. Then she said, Tomorrow morning before sunrise these must be picked up and not a single grain be wanting. The youth sat down in the garden and considered how it might be possible to perform this task, but he could think of nothing. And there he sat sorrowfully, awaiting the break of day, when he should be led to death. But as soon as the first rays of the sun shone into the garden, he saw all the ten sacks standing side by side, quite full, and not a single grain was missing. The ant king had come in the night with thousands and thousands of ants, and the grateful creatures had by great industry picked up all the millet seed and gathered them into the sacks. Presently the king's daughter herself came down into the garden, and was amazed to see that the young man had done the task she had given him. But she could not yet conquer her proud heart, and said, Although he has performed both the tasks, he shall not be my husband, until he had brought me an apple from the tree of life. The youth did not know where the tree of life stood, but he set out, and would have gone on forever, as long as his legs would carry him, though he had no hope of finding it. After he had wandered through three kingdoms, he came one evening to a wood and lay down under a tree to sleep. But he heard a rustling in the branches, and a golden apple fell into his hand. At the same time, three ravens flew down to him, perched themselves upon his knee, and said, We are the three young ravens, whom you saved from starving. When we had grown big and heard that you were seeking the golden apple, we flew over the sea to the end of the world, where the tree of life stands, and have brought you the apple. The youth, full of joy, set out homewards and took the golden apple to the king's beautiful daughter, who now had no more excuses left to make. They cut the apple of life in two and ate it together, and then her heart became full of love for him, and they lived in undisturbed happiness to a great age.
Thank you for listening. If you would like to support this podcast and become a sponsor, you will find an Etsy link in the description below. Thank you for your consideration. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story.